So thank you very much for your uh, invitation and uh, generous offering of respect and setting up the place for a Dhamma talk. And I offer my respects to the Triple Gem. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambhutasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambhutasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambhutasa uttang dhammang sangang namasami So, in order to receive the Dhamma, take a few moments, settling, put aside any uh, expectations or concerns outside the room, leave everything else outside, come into here, use the experience of your body, this sense of having this feeling, sensation, experience, a body, human body. Use that as a, a guide because it, it brings you back to right here whereas the mind tends to take you out into possibilities and futures and past. And bring yourself into the present using attention on the presence of the body. And you take a long out breath and let it be long so it's not just um, a casual thing, it's a determined release, relaxing your chest, shoulders, face, all the way out. And give it a few seconds, let it wait until the in-breath begins to come by itself. And let the in-breath be completely full and complete itself. Slows down. Stops. Wait. Until the body feels ready to release the breath. Take the breath down to your throat, your chest, down into your abdomen, all the way down your body, breathing out. It's helping to reset your mental energy, which uh, generally is moving rather fast. And we're just resetting it to a more contemplative pace.
So whatever your personal concerns are, whatever your physical feelings are, your um, mental problems or topics or responsibilities, feel any of that pressure pushing on you, pushing on your heart, pulling your heart, and come into the heart of awareness. Notice whatever you're concerned with, hoping for, is just the pressure, pushing. Relax the pressure. Awareness has no pressure. It's open. When we're open, we're ready to listen to the Dhamma. Nothing else is getting in the way. So the Buddha taught the ending of dukkha and uh, this is dukkha is a various comes in various forms dukkha suffering trouble stress pain also pressure so there's what we call the dukkha dukkha which is the pressure of pain, physical pain, which pushes the mind. The mind shrinks, runs away, is frightened of it, terrified of it, can't stand it, starts reacting to it. Mental pain, pain of being accused or insulted or abandoned or rejected, left out, ignored. Uh, accused, things like this, mental pain, the pressure, the agitation that arises when those things happen. This is called the dukkha dukkha. <laughs> Everybody gets this. There isn't anybody who doesn't get this. The Buddha got plenty of this. <laughs> there is no end to this. There's what's called the uh, mm, Viparinama dukkha, which is the dukkha of things tend to change. Your body ages. Um, You build a house, it starts falling down, you've got to keep fixing it. You get something new, it starts to deteriorate. Health is constantly shifting and changing. You get somewhere pleasant to live in the countryside, the town gradually creeps out and grows around it, so you don't have any that pleasant countryside anymore. <laughs> yeah. Things are constantly changing. In this change we think, oh, 
It was, I just had it right then. I had good neighbours, good friends, good job, and then the neighbours moved away. I've got these unpleasant neighbours with dogs. It changed. You know. I feel lonely. Oh, I liked it when it was quiet and now it's noisy. I liked it when it was busy and now it's gone quiet. I liked it when it was cool and now it's hot. Just the change of things we find ourselves feeling disoriented because everything is changing and we lose our sense of orientation. We feel a bit lost, a bit, uh, where am I? Things are not stable. Nothing is stable. Everybody gets this. Mm. Yeah. My life is like this all the time. I'm, on, I'm on, the, on the move. Two days ago I was in Bangkok. Now I'm here. A few days later I'll be back in Bangkok. Then I go up to Pitsanulok, northern Thailand, then back to Malaysia, and then on to Singapore. After Singapore I fly to London, go to London, change my clothes, get on a plane, fly to America. Everything is changing. The weather changes, the languages change, the people change, the invo- everything. <laughs> Time zones change. Is it day, is it night? You think? Eventually you think, doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> Just all these things. Yeah. Where's the stability? And uh, the Buddha said, this is the third kind of dukkha is the dukkha that comes when we lose our center. It's called the sankata dukkha, which is the dukkha we create through trying to make something that's not stable, stable. So we're kind of pushing it, hoping for it, wanting it, craving it, resisting its change. And the, uh, or we try to make that which is unpleasant, pleasant. Yeah. Sometimes it's just too hot, it's unpleasant. You just have to live with it. Yeah. Sometimes it, it's too busy. You just have to live with it. Yeah. Sometimes you have people accuse you of things and you just have to accept that. People gossip behind your back, say things about you. Okay. Yeah, people are unpleasant. Mm. Then you can create a problem. Why, why this isn't right, this isn't fair, this isn't just, this isn't true. That's all, yeah, that's, that's right. But it doesn't stop you suffering. It just makes you angry and upset. Okay, well, what is it like when you say, that's his problem. He does the accusing, that's his problem. He does, she does the gossiping, I don't do it. So you look after your own center rather than to keep struggling and getting caught up in the ways of the world. So this is the kind of dukkha that you can take to niroda. You can cause it to cease. You can begin to let it part, to stop that suffering. Yeah. And this, uh, we'd like to have it all. I'd like to have it so there's no unpleasant feeling. <laughs> but that's greedy. <laughs> you can't have that. But you can have it so that you don't struggle with unpleasant feeling, mental feeling, physical feeling. And then, and then, interestingly enough, when you finally don't struggle with it, it doesn't feel... You find a place in your heart which isn't affected, where that feeling doesn't go. 
Your body's doing this, but I'm okay. So this quality, this niroda, can seem to be just one element of dukkha, but it actually covers everything. We don't suffer when we die. Yeah. But for that, we have to die. It means we have to give up the fight, the struggle, the holding, the grasping, uh, the complaining, the criticizing. Yeah. And then, you, then your heart begins to open and you can experience the neuroda. So this is the essence of the Buddhist path, practice, and uh, it, it's something that uh, the Buddha, Buddha say this is specific, only Buddhas really teach this. Most everyone else is trying to stop the unpleasant feeling, the unpleasant perception. Most everything else is trying to build security in this world or the next world, heaven. We do all right, we go to heaven, it'll be secure there. And the Buddha says, no, it's not. <laughs> you can go to heaven, but that's not secure either. Yeah. But even most religions are trying to give you security in some place or some state of mind or some belief or some ideology. Or believe in me, everything will be okay. You know, the Buddha says, you believe in me, doesn't make everything okay. <laughs> Practice the Dhamma. Don't believe in me. Practice the Dhamma. That's for your welfare. So we begin to learn you have to give up sense of the, the search for stability, the search to end unpleasant feeling. And uh, in a very clear way. The basis of this clarity arises causally and not without cause. It's something you just can't adopt philosophically. You can't just say, okay, that sounds like a good, that sounds like a good idea. I believe in this niroda, niroda, ending of suffering. That sounds right. You have, to, you have to build up a practice that supports that. And this begins uh, with causes and conditions. The first cause and condition is said to be uh, meeting a true person, a teacher, uh, someone who's living the truth, in touch with the truth, uh, practicing it, someone who you can begin to sense they're doing things differently and they can explain it. And the second cause is just this explanation, hearing the true Dhamma, second cause. Third condition takes more work. First two are things that can be given to you. The, the good person can arrive. Second one, teaching. You just sit and listen, take it in. Third cause and condition, you have to do something. And this is uh, called Yoni Sikara. And it's translated in English in several ways. Careful attention deep attention, wise attention, suitable attention. 
the word, the two words, yoniso means origin, of the origin, of the source, of the heart, going from the center. And the second word, manasikara, manas is the thinking mind, and kara is activity. So it really means a careful activation of thought, of attention. Give attention. Bear something in mind. Consider it. Take it in deeply. Work with it. And this cause and condition gives rise to what's called sati sampajanya, having gained a meaning, having through careful attention distilled a meaning. Oh, this is what it, I get it. I get it. This is this. Then you apply sati, which means you bear it in mind. You stay with that. You hold it. You sustain it. You put attention onto it. And you resist the push of craving, attachment, fear, worry, doubt, the hindrances. And you use sati acts as a stabilizing quality that helps to stop the mind being pushed around by unpleasant feeling, difficult perceptions, emotions, impulses, urges, greed, passion, fear. It's made stable. Then you've begun to govern the mind. Sati begins to govern the mind. It gives authority. You've gained authority. With the gaining of authority, one is then able to fully develop that through uh, bringing this into the body, into the, into the mental habits, into feeling itself, and it, clearing the mind of what are called hindrances. Uh, passion or sensual desire, aversion, ill will, fear, grudge, regret, guilt, negativity, depression, all these illness, illness of the heart. And uh, dullness, lethargy, can't be bothered, indolence, lazy, don't make an effort, can't give up that quality, the nivarana of tinamida, sluggishness. Yeah. It's go go casual, take it easy, kick back, doesn't matter. Yeah. This is Tina. It doesn't mean just feeling tired, it means a mental indifference, mental casualness, mm. uh, lack of clarity or firmness in the mind. And restlessness. Fourth hindrance means mind's always planning the next thing. Worrying about the past, calculating the next thing, planning what to do next, figuring out if this means that, figuring out, worrying what other people think of me, worrying what I should think about other people, worrying that I'm not worrying enough. (laughs) Do I meditate? Okay. It's this constant, restless fidgeting of the mind. And um, last one is doubt, which is a feeling of Lack of confidence. Doesn't mean you don't have information. It's doubt in the heart. Doesn't mean I don't know what time the bus leaves. It means I don't know what the point is. I, I don't think I can... I don't, um, you know, we doubt ourselves. This is a much more profound doubt than just the lack of information. Yeah. 
I can't do this because I'm only a... I can't practice because I'm... Yeah. So we then, with doubt, we, as with all these hindrances, the mind builds up ways and means of justifying them. It covers them. This is why you have to develop careful, deep attention and mindfulness to even know the hindrances, to even recognize them. Because uh, uh, the unawakened mind doesn't even know that it's, it's being oppressed. It gets angry, it says, I'm not being angry, I'm just making a point, I'm just being clear. Mm. I've no ill will, there's just a lot of bad people here who we've got to get rid of, but I don't have any ill will. Oh, yeah? <laughs> and I don't have any ill will towards myself, I'm just stupid and lazy, that's all. Oh, really? <laughs> you know, it, and these are facts. These are facts. So we believe in a world of facts that confirms our hindrances. So we use the world, the idea of the world, other people, to confirm our own hindrances. This is because of the craving for stability. We want a stable world. So if the world is full of these negative influences, greed, hatred, aversion, right, so forth, then I don't see the hatred or aversion or greed in myself, I see it's everybody else. <laughs> you know, we're very good at, at finding fault with other people or situations. Mm. You know, I'm not an angry person, it's just the lights don't work, and that shouldn't, I've paid good money for that. Those lights should work. I'm not an angry person. <laughs> well, it looks like that was anger. No, no, it's, I paid, I paid for that. You're still getting angry. No, I'm not angry, I'm just, you know, don't really see it. We blame it on conditions. Yeah, and you can see the world is built around that, isn't it? If you, as you, as I drove from, the, just was driven from the airport, Kuala Lumpur airport, to the, uh, the bubs here, there's a constant signs, billboards, something to buy, something to buy, something to buy, something to buy. Shiny, glossy, new, improved, fast, economical so forth, happy people holding them, happy people driving them, beautiful people wearing them. Just greed, 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 greed. <laughs> They're constantly pushing the greed button. And they say, no, this is not greed, this is just making life more comfortable. Uh? <laughs> and to make life more comfortable, you work like crazy to make enough money <laughs> to favor these things to make more life more comfortable, right? It's more comfortable just to say, I give up. <laughs> and then I don't feel this pulling in the heart. And just This is comfortable right now. Didn't have to pay anything for that. <laughs> Change the attitude. Yeah. So then we see this is, so you carefully attend, you notice, and you don't get 
deceived by the world around you, then you begin to see what it's doing to you. And this is Yonisomnisikara. Deep attention. Don't just attend to things which we're quite good at. You know, we're good at measuring things, uh, comparing things. This is green, this is blue, this is exactly the right color, the shade. This is softer, this is sweeter, this is tastier, this is faster. We're good at that, but look what it's doing to you. Pulling, agitating. And the thing you bought last year, it's old fashioned. (laughs) Throw it away, because there's a newer one. Look what it's doing to you. This is how we carefully attend. Look what other, you know, the presence of other people do to you. Do they make you feel intimidated or jealous or worried? Look what it's doing to you. And we're doing that to ourselves. Now, it could be that other people don't like you. But the most important thing is that you don't have ill will because that's your problem. So we combat, we work with the quality of feeling inadequate or feeling not good enough with the quality of metta. You see, so with deep attention, careful attention, attention to the heart of things, what's really going on? And then the second question is, well, what's needed? So when I see all these advertisements telling me new things I have to buy, and how much improvement it's going to be, I feel that pulling and pressure. I don't like that pressure and pulling. Why don't I develop renunciation? Just then, ah, feel clearer, freer. What's needed? What's needed now? Let it go. And so we build up certain reflections that support that. This is an aspect of deep attention, is called patisankar. You wisely reflect. Anything that I buy will be break down sooner or later. Anything that I acquire will one day be separated from me. Anything I do to make, get rid of unpleasant feeling will not get rid of unpleasant feeling. anything that uh, tastes good will pass is this true or not what's most important I am the owner of my kamma my actions not just verbal actions physical actions but also the psychology that keeps driving us towards more better more comfortable, more stable, more of what I want. And you realize this is karma. It's not just what we do, it's the way our mind drives us. Yeah? And that driving, and the teaching is, if you let that drive you, it will drive you on and on and on through this life and into the next one. But if you don't, Concern yourself with the next life, just even notice in this life, 
is driving, pushing onwards, onwards, onwards. And the world says, this is the way to go. This is the way to go. But no one gets beyond suffering that way. That's what we know for sure. Ending karma means you deeply attend. What is really needed here to, to find peace is to let go of desire. Uh, when there's ill will, to cultivate goodwill or compassion. When there's jealousy, he's better than me, he's smarter than me, she's more popular than me, to cultivate mudita. Good luck to her. Good. Enjoy. Fine. <laughs> so we, we constantly separate the heart from the world. Because, it, because the heart doesn't live in the world. You know? As you, when you meditate, as you begin to recognize wherever you are, you're in your heart, the walls change, the atmosphere changes, the light changes. For myself, the landscape changes every few days, another place. And yet, wherever I am, I'm here. And things, so that's where I live. I don't live in a house or a town or a country. I live in here. The rest of it. That's the truth, isn't it? For everyone. Everything else is changing. So find home, stay at home. And work with the what's really important. What do things do to you? Do things make you impatient? Cultivate patience. Give your attention in the right way to the quality of Niroda, ceasing, checking, stopping, counteracting the drive of attachment and desire. It's a path. So we notice how am I being affected, what's needed. Having established what's needed, then you use your sati to bear it in mind constantly, to hold it, to steady it, to bear it in mind. And then it gains gain strength. Because what's also needed is to not just have these as momentary flashes of understanding, but to strengthen it to the point where mind begins to change. The mind begins to change. It gives up. Yeah. So, when uh, you realize something else, can, uh, you can adapt. You can adjust internally. So uh, recently I was at a, uh, having an eye examination. They were examining my eyes, said, um, you know, how do you see it? Fine. How can you see it? I see enough. Fine. Yeah. Is there any time you can't read things? Well, sometimes. What do you do? I, I adjust my attitude. 
I don't need to see everything all the time. <laughs> That's the easy way. <laughs> and uh, my lifestyle is the uh, forest tradition, forest monks, and the forest lifestyle. Yeah, you realize uh, uh, that it's based upon the idea of just living under a tree. If you try living under a tree, within an hour or so you'll find out why most people don't live under trees. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. The ground is hard. It gets hot and cold. You have no shelter. But that's the, that's the kind of the basis of, uh, of, uh, of our training as summoners. Yeah. And uh, so recently I was at uh, the uh, what Banana Chart, the International Monastery. So when the, the, in the International Monastery, when the visiting monks come, the elder monks, the junior monks, they have these little kutis, haupcha huts, which are very simple, just a wooden box basically on, on legs. And uh, there's no heat in it, and there's no way of cooling either. So it's just whatever the weather is doing, you experience it. It's, it's shady, that's about it. In the cold season, the wind comes through the cracks, and it, it cuts into your flesh. In the hot season, the heat comes in and you sweat. And uh, so at this time it was quite cool, and all the junior monks had to leave their, their huts, and they just live on the ground. And it was down to about... 12 degrees and they've no they had a blanket and they have to make something out of just straw and lie on the ground and just basically bear with it through the night which is fairly tough yeah. but you find you can do it first day it's difficult the most difficult thing is not wanting to do it <laughs> And the second most difficult thing is realizing somebody else is not, not doing this. <laughs> somebody else is living in my, in my heart. <laughs> so you start to realize there's something to be let go of here. You know? But nobody escapes. I myself, we, we went out one day to uh, uh, another monastery. It was up a mountain. And in this monastery, the, weather, the temperature was down to 10 degrees. And you sit there and uh, bare shouldered, and the body starts shaking. Yeah, and then the hair and your lips go purple. People said they could see my lips going purple, <laughs> body shaking. And you just think, okay. You know, and then you just realize this is what the body does. It does this, it does this moving, presumably to try to keep itself warm or something. That's just the body's business. There's nothing I can do now, you because know, you're trained to just bear with it, you know. Nothing I can do, there's nowhere to go, no other clothes I can wear. So I just sit there and then, okay, now where can I focus my mind where it's not pressurized by this cold? I just bring my attention deep inside the body, the end of the breath, where the breath ends inside the body and begins inside the body. 
Just bring your attention in there. Just keep deliberately drawing attention into there and spreading goodwill to the rest of the body, saying, sorry about this body, but, you know, this is what you have to be with for a while, you know, and just the quality of goodwill. And I could sit there and not suffer. And then you just make a practice of holding that because every now and then the mind thinks, it shouldn't be like this. Why don't they give me a blanket? <laughs> Why doesn't somebody give me a blanket? What mean people they should give me a blanket? Stop that. Maybe if I... How long is it going to last? How long can it last? How long, does, how long will this be over? Stop doing that. Why do we have to come here anyway? Stop doing that. <laughs> and then... He's got a blanket. <laughs> Stop doing that. <laughs> you see how the, because this constant push of the pressure of the mind wanting to go out away from the suffering, away from this physical feeling and creating uh, time, the future, uh, other people, what they're like, uh, alternatives, craving for something else. And this actually is saying to you, this will stop your suffering. But it doesn't. It keeps it going. This is where we need the quality of deep attention and attention of Dhamma to recognize there's only one place where suffering stops. And it's in this relinquishment, release of the mental activations so practice with that you know in uh, uh, for generally for people when they ask me questions they have particular topics always there uh, for lay people particularly first off work everybody's suffering because of their work too much work Prisons problems, problems with the working management. So many things to do. Work, big problem. Second problem, family. Oh, my daughter. Oh, my son. Oh, no, my husband. Oh, my wife. Oh, my father. Oh, no, suffering, suffering, family. <laughs> Third problem, health. Oh, I don't feel so good. Oh, I've got this wrong with my leg. Oh, my belly hurts. Oh, my head. Oh, my eyes. Third problem is health. Fourth problem, the money. Oh, no, we can't afford this, can't afford that, need more of this, need to that. Fourth problem is money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The fifth problem, hmm? love life. Lonely, she doesn't love me. She used to love me, now he doesn't. she doesn't love me. She ran away with somebody else. I love him, he doesn't love me. He never talks to me enough. She talks to me too much. <laughs> Other people. Fifth problem, <laughs> that's that. Sixth problem, the future. Right? And because of these, you know, these, these are the, this is all of those, if you notice, every one of them is by its nature unstable. Right? The job is unstable. It's always shifting and changing. Money's coming and going. Health is changing. Family, people are changing. Uh, emotions are changing, you know, feelings of other people are changing, future is constantly changing, everything's unstable. 
and yet we're trying to make it stable. And the world in general is built around trying to make the unstable stable, trying to make the naturally stressful into freedom from stress. Yeah, Trying to make something that doesn't belong to us something we can control. Something that is inherently decayable into something that's beautiful. These are called the vipalasas, things are upside down. And then because of the upside downness, we don't see, oh, this is my anxiety. What I call the future is really my anxiety. What I call other people is really my impatience and intolerance (laughs) and craving. What I call my health is really my worry and my attachment to the body. What I call my job is just mental agitation and restlessness. So we begin to review the world. What's it doing to you? And it comes down to very universal, universal experiences. This is important to recognize. Otherwise you always think, oh, everybody else is okay, it's just me who has this terrible this. I'm the person with diabetes, everybody else is okay. I'm the person with a mother's got dementia, everybody else is okay. I'm the person who's, who's losing their job, everything, everybody else is okay. I'm the person whose daughter misbehaves, everybody else is okay. Everybody else is getting the same as you. <laughs> Nobody's okay. There's just different ways in which the qualities of suffering are occurring. And every one of those occasions is is saying, look, examine this. What's it doing to you? Pay careful attention to it. What does it do to you? Do you feel overwhelmed? What's needed? Do you feel anxious? What's needed? Do you feel lack of kindness? What's needed? Do you feel um, fear? What's needed? Apply the medicine, and then you can be free of the world while living in the world. So it's important to recognize we always, the occasion for practice is always here. The occasion for practice is not the end of the week or the end of the day or the retreat, the occasion for practice is always here. Mm. And careful attention, Yoni Somni Sikara is the quality of mind that turns things over until you see the point of the Dhamma in practice and then you patiently apply that understanding to resist the push of feeling, of perception, of mental agitations, and this sets you free. I'll pause there for now so you have some time to ask questions, if you have any questions that you'd like to ask. <coughs>